What if you could simply trust all information on the internet? My name is Sebastian and I'm on the mission to build a trusted web for all of us on planet Earth. An internet where my parents, possibly my future kids and my own generation can find truth and feel safe. Because to save the world, we need to fix the internet. And in the Trusted Web podcast, I embark on a journey with you, my listener and thought leaders, to explore what needs to get done. Joining me today is Amy Mitchell, who's the Director of Journalism Research at Pew Research Center. I learned that there's a sentence in the founding documents of Pew Research Center that goes like this. Fact-based information is the fuel democracies run on. Beautiful. Pew Research Center is a nonpartisan fact tank that informs the public about the issues, attitudes, and trends shaping our world. And as the director of journalism research, Amy is responsible for the center's research related to news and information, including how the public assesses, engages with, and creates news, what news organizations are providing, and how technology is changing all these elements. Amy, thanks so much for being with us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, we're recording by the end of July and timing couldn't be better. Since 2004, uh, Pew Research Center has issued an annual report on the state of trust in news media. How would you describe the state of media and journalism today? Well, that's a terrific uh, question uh, with a, I would say, a wide landscape of ways to think about it in, you know, very much in many ways, I would say it's in crisis. If we look at the U.S. newsroom employment, it's down 26 percent since 2008, with most of that decline really being led by newspaper newsroom employment, which is down 57 percent during that time. There's been rise in in some areas such as digital newsroom employment, but it's not making up for the loss uh, in the other industries. We also see trust that continues to be low across the American public and particularly with strong partisan divides. And not only is there lower, you know, are we seeing more uh, separation and partisan divides in trust and lower trust among certain people, but also we are seeing distrust rise and an active rejection of certain institutional news media and the information, right? So not only is it is there less trust, but there's certain active rejection uh, towards um, news media or towards certain certain parts of, of the information stream. You know, it's interesting to see that Republicans, we one survey question we asked about had to do with your main source. And people are more likely to trust their main source of news, right, than they than they are to trust news media really broadly. But um, when we looked at, asked people if their main source was a part of the mainstream news media, and then we compare that to whether they, how much trust they said they had in their main news source, Republicans in particular were less likely to trust their main news source if they thought it was a part of the mainstream media. And so it just shows there's sort of an automatic kind of rejection or, or distrust that comes when, when people think about the mainstream media in many ways. And at the same time that this is happening, we've got continued proliferation of places for people to turn to be informed, to get their news and information. And, you know, one of the, the newer spaces now is the what is the private social 
media space where there are these private conversations and and people sort of separated into these uh, darker spaces for conversation and flow of information. So in that environment, it makes it incredibly easy to put out alternative narratives um, it, it, you know, and to continue to divide people's sense of reality. At the same time, I would say sort of the positive area, if you look at that, that the state of, of news and of, of the industry is that it is has become very clear how much people's news habits and the flow of news can matter to society. Can you unpack for our listeners active rejection? What does that look like? Well, so for instance, when we asked people, we did once a study where we asked about, you know, 30 some different news outlets specifically. And we asked if they had heard of it, if they got news from it, if they trusted it, if they distrusted it or neither. And we did the first one in 2014 and then we redid it in 2019. And one of the things we saw was that in many cases, and again, there are lots of partisan divides there, there was an increase in distrust. So it's not just less trust, but an increase in distrust. So that if you happen to hear something from a particular organization, one may be very likely to just kind of reject it point blank as distrust. In addition to that, we've seen the campaigns going around, you know, in, in, in the US in particular, um, of, you know, terminology of quote unquote, the fake news media, um, uh, and, and a sense of just rejecting certain parts of reality in terms of what's happening. And uh, because with active uh, rejection, I thought of people saying, hey, uh, this is untrue or sharing about it, but it's it's more how they uh, answer the questions in the survey. Well, and certainly the, the, the actual, you know, pieces of information, misinformation, disinformation are a part of that as well. And we saw that, you know, when it, when it came to areas around uh, COVID-19 pandemic, you know, what, what people in many cases were choosing to accept or not accept, um, you know, can differ, you know, did differ based on what they, where they were turning for their news and information. Is there something specific you can say about technology? How did technology impact uh, the state of trust in media? Well, technology has certainly been a way of, um, been a part of, of what allowed this proliferation of places to turn. And so it allows people to turn to certain channels. Social media, um, you know, in particular, really changed the flow of news and information so that there's, it, it, it's not only mixed in with everything else, but there's bits and pieces coming at you throughout the course of the day if you're engaged in a social media space. And so you're hearing things and you're not necessarily even seeking them out, but you're hearing these things come at you. And so one of the things that's been interesting in studying the social, the folks who are getting news, you know, relying pretty primarily on social media for their political news, they tend to be less engaged with news generally. So they're following most news stories that we ask about less closely. They're less interested in news. They have less kind of basic knowledge about certain things that have occurred and they have less confidence in what they might know or not know. They're less sure about, about whether they know something or not. And so that just leaves a very ripe area to be um, influenced by pieces of information that are not 
that are not correct. And those people who uh, consume um, news mostly via social media, do they actively seek out truth? Uh, and are they? do they want to be more engaged with the information or is that not in their uh, desire? Well, it, you know, that's a tough question because um, in, in most cases, people would say, you know, they, 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 they want to know, right? As I was saying before, those who rely primarily on social media for their news, we found that they're, they're less interested in news. So they're less likely to be seeking it out to begin with. Um, there's less search for news in their in their in search in the broad sense, not in the literal sense. But at the same time, if we look more broadly at sort of where where people are going for the news, in many cases they choose sources because they say they and they end up saying they trust those sources, right? And so that they're they see what they're putting out as truth. Uh, and so the question ends up becoming how are people defining truth? Not even so much what does somebody say they want truth, but how are you defining truth and reality? Is there something specific that those platforms and, and can, can do to limit the misinformation and disinformation that there is today? Well, that's a really, that's a question that's being explored by a lot of different entities and groups. And, you know, in the U.S., there's a, there's been a, among the public, at least, you know, there's a, a real balance to people's really strong sense of freedom of information, the freedom to publish, the freedom to access thing, to access information. But then you couple that with concerns about misinformation, which people express pretty high levels of concerns of. And so those two things are kind of pushing against each other, right, in, in the environment when today. And then there's the whole other side legislatively in terms of what what you know certain people argue is 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 what technology should do or shouldn't do based on based on the definition of their business and their role here and so it's a really it, you know it's it's extremely complicated and there's lots of different both inside the legal world and inside other worlds um, debates occurring as we speak is there something specifically you can say if we look at political and e election news is there something uh, specific you can say on how Americans choose which news outlets and how many news outlets to trust? Well, you know, when we ask about where people are going for political news, we definitely see really strong partisan divides between Democrats and Republicans. Um, you know, among Republicans, Fox News sits at the top and they tend to have a more singular focus, singular orientation um, towards Fox News as their main source, you know, the main place that they're turning really stands out um, far ahead of most of the other kinds of outlets. You don't see that same sort of singular orientation when you ask um, people who describe themselves as Democrat or leaning um, Democratic, whether, you know, where they go, you see a wider mix of places that people are turning, but in most cases, different. <laughs> than um, those that Republicans say they're turning to. So a pretty different set of sources. There's certainly several that have a, a, a wider mix that tend to draw, like the network television programs in the US, right? They tend to 
they tend to get into both of those groups as places people turn for news. We talked about this, the state of trust and the state of media and news media today. Um, from your research, is there anything you can say about where a solution for misinformation and disinformation must come from? Well, it's, you know, we certainly don't see, we don't see evidence of, of anything changing course in terms of the direction of what's happening with the public. There's likely to remain a wide swath of ways for people to be informed. Certainly friends and family continue to be a really important source of news and information for people today. Um, and, and so if, you know, if you think about what, what can change or how things can change in a lot of ways, you know, you, there, there does need, need to come back to some common understanding of facts and that can be hard, you know, it can, that can be hard to know but you know, some desire to work towards that you know, can certainly bring Americans together around an event or a, you know, a, an issue uh, in a way that we're not so much seeing today. The, the, the pandemic was certainly an example of seeing how partisan divide and where people are turning for news and information can really drive people apart. And, but is there a specific, for example, could it be a role for government or is it mostly about media literacy of the people themselves or is there a thing that publishers can do or the big tech platforms? I mean, again, I'm not in the solution business. No. Um, but I, you know, it certainly seems like there's got to be a lot of different factors and a lot of different areas at work to be able to combat disinformation and misinformation. Certainly one of the things, you know, we did a we did a study a few years ago looking at, you know, people's ability to distinguish between factual statements and opinion statements online. And, you know, there was a lot of difference based on people's sense of their, their comfort level with digital technology. So that's even certainly a part of it that continues today is people's you know, how facile they are and how much confidence they have in their ability to work within the technology spaces that we have today. Lastly, although I know you are, of course, not in the solution business, but I really love the sentence from the fact-based information is the fuel of democracies. Um, from your perspective, you work with the Pure Research Center for almost 25 years. Um, so you, you know, so much about what you do and the facts and is there hope for our world? I, I make it a, a large question. Where are we at the end of this decade? Is there something you, uh, can say about that? Yeah, that's a, that is a, a really critical question to be thinking about. And, and as you said, part of our mission is really to provide fact-based knowledge. Uh, and, and we are continuing to do that and, and work towards that every day in a way that's transparent, that where we share our methodologies, we share the approach to really be able to get, um, to get people factual data to help you know, inform, to help lead people to make decisions. At a certain point, you know, society has to want facts. Society has to desire those those facts, whether it's our facts or you know other facts, and so you know that's really where the where the crucial point is. If you know if we get to a point where 
where it gets harder and harder and harder for, for people to agree on facts. And certainly you can say, well, here's what we know. Here are all the things we don't know yet. And here's what we think we maybe know. And here's what we know we know, right? But to be able to lay some of those things out, um, it's just critical to the functioning of society. And are you hopeful? Are we in a better state by the end of this decade? Oh gosh, it, you know it's hard to it's hard to go would be hard to go through many days without being optimistic. You know, certainly, you know we're, we're human; we go through change. But certainly, there's a lot that we can do together. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see uh, how the state of news uh, will evolve over the coming years. And uh, before we wrap it up, are there any closing thoughts? Um, from your end? I don't think so. I think, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk. And, um, you know, I just encourage people to look at our data, to read our reports, to offer thoughts and ideas if, if, um, if folks have them. There's so much that's important to be researching now and not enough time in the day, but we, you know, we really love our work and, and, and love to be able to share it with the public. Amazing. Thank you so much, Amy. Of course, I'll put the links to the report on uh, and, your, and your website uh, in the show notes. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you so much. Take care. It is well known that today the public trust into media organizations is low. And therefore, we've surveyed a global audience to better understand what publishers can do to increase trust with their audience. We've released these findings in our fresh report called Trust in Publishing 2021. you find the report, the show notes of this episode, and many other valuable resources at thetrustedweb.org slash podcast. Once again, thetrustedweb.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening and therefore being part of the Trusted Web journey. And let's build the Trusted Web together.